Hello and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. Each week we're here to help you persevere through the tough times, be your most productive self and get that work in progress published. Wherever you are in your publishing journey, we've got your back. This week I interviewed LL McRae to discuss managing multiple streams of income. shout out to our podcast patrons for all of your support as a patron you'll get early access to episodes the chance to submit questions for our guests and access to our bonus series healthy habits healthy habits isn't your typical productivity advice we're not here to tell you to get up at 4am and go for a three-hour run hell no we're exploring the latest research to find small changes you can make in your life to be happier healthier and more productive in your writing life and beyond to start developing healthier habits today Come join our community at patreon.com forward slash writers mindset. With me today is author L.L. McRae. Hello, Lauren. Nice to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the, uh, for the invitation. Absolutely. First and foremost, then, for our lovely listeners, who are you and what is it that you do? Uh, So my name is Lauren. I'm an indie fantasy author. I write epic fantasy primarily and I write under the name L.L. McRae. Perfect. And today I brought you here to talk about managing multiple streams of income. So I know that you do various bits and pieces, all generally speaking book related, but I just wondered if you could run through your different streams of income for me and just mention which one is the biggest one for me, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I, this, this isn't like from day one, bearing in mind, this is like a, it's grown over the years. I published my first book in 2017. So this is more like in the last couple of years, it's kind of expanded, but I have a few main streams of income. So the biggest one are direct sales. This is mostly of uh, my paperbacks and also book swag or merchandise, whatever you want to call it, which is mostly sold through my website. Uh, I have a a Squarespace website, which has like a a built-in commerce platform. Previously, I used WordPress with a WooCommerce uh, widget built in. And then I also do direct sales at events. So Comic-Cons and events and fairs and things like that, where it's like face-to-face selling. So that's the main one. Next is ebook sales, which is all done exclusively through Amazon or KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing. So my paperbacks are available through me direct. They're not on Amazon. Amazon is just for the ebooks. Added to that are the audiobooks, which is through Amazon's Audible platform, but that is much smaller than my ebooks. And and then recently I have a couple new streams of income. So one is Patreon. I set up a Patreon about a year ago, although I didn't really tell anyone about it until more recently. So I just, I'm kind of still testing the waters with Patreon and Twitch. I set up uh, just at the beginning of the first lockdown. So it would have been 2020 sort of summertime. And that was mostly because all of my direct sales, i.e. events, were cancelled because of lockdown. So I wanted to kind of keep that personal connection with people. I'd only just discovered Twitch very recently. I kind of live under a rock. So I didn't realise it was a thing. And then once I'd seen some people and made some friends and realised it was a thing that you could do to have that interaction and also make some money on the side, I set up a weekly live stream over on Twitch. So those are the, the main five, direct sales, KDP, Patreon, Twitch, and Audible for now. For now, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. I um, don't hear people talk about Comic-Con mugs. Why did you decide to sell at Comic-Con? I'd never heard of anyone doing it until I went to Comic-Con and met some authors. Why? Uh, what drew you to selling at Comic-Con? 
So my whole approach to being an indie author is really topsy-turvy. So I said that direct sales is my biggest sort of percentage of income, um, whereas most indie authors, they will tend to say that uh, their eBooks are their biggest and paperbacks is a very small percentage. But I'm, I'm the other way around. I'm going to answer your question, but it's kind of a bit of a roundabout way. So uh, forgive me if I am a bit rambly. So most indie authors, when they have paperbacks created, they use Amazon, which has a, a print on demand service, or they might use another print on demand service like Ingram Spark, which was formerly lightning source, I believe. So it's basically, there's no money up front other than the cover design and what have you. But whenever somebody orders a book on Amazon, Amazon will print it in their local market, whether it's the UK or Germany or US or wherever they are, and delivers the book. The downside to that is uh, Amazon's print service is very limited in what you can do. You have a few choices, a few different options, but that's kind of it. And I wanted to have a slightly more premium finish. I wanted more options. I wanted things like embossed titles or spot UV on the titles and things like that and the only way you can do that is by going to an actual printer and having them do a print run of your book much like in traditional publishing so that's what I did when I published my very first book I did a print run of 150 books and I sold them to friends and family obviously people I worked with were very excited about it so I, I you know I sold I would I think about half of the copies there uh, within the first couple of months. And then I realized that unless I did something else to sell them, I would end up with a stack of books sitting in my dining room collecting dust. So I joined various author groups on Facebook to see what they did in terms of shifting stock if anyone else did a print run and not many people do because it's the wrong way to do it because it's so much harder and then I saw that a lot of people had tables at events comic cons with like the author name on a tablecloth and banners and all their books you know set up like you would find in a bookshop and looking really lovely so I thought oh, okay maybe maybe this is a thing I was aware of comic cons I had been to one or two in the past I wasn't like a regular but I, I knew they existed so I kind of hyped myself up and was like yes I'm going to do a comic con and I I live in the south of the UK I live uh, in Oxfordshire and I googled the next comic con in the UK and it happened to be in Exeter which if you're not from the UK is about three and a half hour drive away from where I live but I decided to do that anyway I decided to drive to Exeter book a hotel take my friend with me stay there a couple of nights and sell at the comic con and take all of my books there just to see if I could sell them if it was worth doing that if I could even do it if it was fun if it was going to be too overwhelming but I took them all and I basically sold out so I then realized that okay comic cons could be a thing there's pretty much one every single weekend sometimes two or three a week depending on where you go in the country so yeah from that was I would say I think it was in September of 2017 so from that point on, I was basically researching different Comic-Cons near me, big ones, small ones, figuring out how to sell, what I could sell, numbers and that sort of thing. And I basically haven't looked back since. I, the only time I stopped was because of lockdown when events were cancelled. But otherwise, it's my main source of income as far as being an author is concerned. So yeah, it's very weird. I understand that it's very uncommon, but somehow it kind of works for me. Comic-Con is a very big science, fantasy, sci-fi community and I write fantasy books. So there's a really good crossover there. If authors write, you know, mysteries or thrillers, maybe you won't do so well there, but there's enough of a crossover that I can do quite well. And I, yeah, I, I, I love it. So it was very much a just test the water thing and it just stuck. And that's now what I do, yeah. I like that. Actually, the Comic-Con where I met you, which must have been November 2017, was the first Comic-Con I'd ever been to. And so I 
like knowing they're just finding authors there I thought that was so cool and I got to meet you and talk about the books and that's kind of what sold it that added kind of that personal element to it that I think makes a big difference you don't get that very often with authors to read a these days, do you? No, I mean, like, I almost liken it to, you know, if you're scrolling on Amazon looking for a book, all you have is thumbnail, thumbnail of like the cover and maybe you'll click through and read the blurb, but then you just keep going. Whereas like, if I'm there at a table and you're walking past and you see the cover and you think, oh, that looks nice, but I'm not really sure. And then I'm like, hi, how are you? Do you enjoy reading fantasy with dragons? You might be like, well, actually I do. So instead of walking away as you would if you were just scrolling through Amazon, you then kind of have a conversation and you find out whether it's to your taste or not. And, you know, you can get the signed book right there and then. So it's it's like, I, I liken it to when you see the crowds walking up and down at Comic-Con, it's like people browsing Amazon, but like on steroids because it's so much more in depth. And a lot of people that would just walk past normally would actually give you the chance. I'm not saying that everybody buys, but you know more about the book rather than, oh, that's a nice cover. And then you can make a more informed decision. So I do think that the people that buy the books tend to like them more because you've already had that engagement and they've had the chance to ask questions like, is there romance in it? What POV is it? But, you know, when is the next book coming out? Because you don't know any of that from an Amazon page. And it, honestly, it makes such a difference. I think it's, it's really good for readers and it's really good for me to introduce more people to the world. Excellent. So which of those streams of income that you have then do you mm. find most rewarding? You know, do you prioritise that interaction with readers and get a lot out of that? Or is there one that you find you get more out of? It's kind of a toss up between the Comic Cons and Twitch. Despite the fact that I don't make a huge amount of money on Twitch, there is such a sense of community that you can kind of grow. So you can, you know, you do your live streams and then you've got a chat there and you can, you know, create your own personal emotes. So I have some of Boris, my dog, and which people love. And obviously going live on Twitch is a lot less effort and cost than booking a table at Comic-Con and, you know, driving down there and maybe hotels and things like that. I did a Comic-Con just this weekend gone and it was three days and, you know, I was dead for like a day or two afterwards. You know, it's just, it's exhausting and draining. And obviously you have to physically lift tubs of books. Whereas if I stream, I just click go I didn't I didn't really understand Twitch to begin with but now I've been there for you know a couple of years the community feel is so real and so strong I get so much out of it you know like some of the people that follow me they're, they're not even readers or into books or whatever but then you know they learn that I'm an author and they follow the journey and they buy books and it's I don't know you just like a comic-con is great but you only get that interaction for a couple of minutes and then they've walked off whereas on twitch people come back week after week after week the community vibe it really can't be understated you know I you know I moderate in lots of people's channels now or there's VIPs and things like that so I'd probably say I it's a tie between the events and twitch in terms of like my own personal enjoyment for our listeners who aren't aware though just to clarify twitch is an online streaming service most popularly known for gamers streaming i think but there are certainly lots of other content on there on twitch i know you do a manuscript monday stream which yes. i have seen a couple of times yeah. can you just tell us a bit about what that's for what you do on it you know what kind of engagement do you get yeah, so that was the main the main thing I wanted to do to keep that connection with I say fans as if I'm someone really popular. I'm, people that have read my books and like them and like me. They're fans, um, that counts. <laughs> I know, but I feel like really pretentious if I say, Oh yeah, like do it for my fans. But yeah, no, like that, that personal interaction, I lost it when when lockdown happened. So I I decided that and, and you know, like when you're an author and you kind of you introduce yourself as, Oh hey, I write books and how many books have you published and what do you write, blah, blah, blah. In 
inevitably I get the same questions like, oh, I'm writing a book or I've written a book or, oh, can I show you my writing? Or what do you think about this? And how do I do that? And it's just, it's just like a, the same kind of questions over and over again. And I don't want to keep answering the same questions over and over again. So like, I have like a FAQ thing on my website. But also Manuscript Monday was a kind of like a deep dive into various questions and topics. So it's a live stream that I do every Monday at 5pm UK time. She says, I haven't done it for a, a few weeks because I've been crazy busy, but I will be returning next month. But it's basically about an hour long. Some are shorter and some are longer, but it's I aim for about 60 minutes. And it could be anything to do with like the craft of writing. So how do you make your villains better? How to add conflict and what even is conflict and why is it important and how to you know, write endings and things like that. So kind of like crafty writing topics, but also the whole behind the scenes aspect of publishing and being an indie author and kind of what goes into that. So I have sort of practical guides from step-by-step -step how to upload your ebook on Amazon or how to work with audiobook narrators and things like that, as well as, you know, how to get reviewers on board with advanced reader copies, what bestseller means and how to get it and you know kind of everything that you can think of like to do with the publishing side of it. So whether you are a writer or an aspiring author, you've got like the craft kind of aspect which is always really useful because it's like oh I didn't think about world building in that way before, but you're an epic fantasy writer. Maybe there's something there as well as the whole indie side of things. And, and you know, the comments that I get all the time is, oh, wow, I didn't realise or I didn't know about that. And I'm like, well, of course, why would you? You know, I didn't know this at the beginning. And because you get the same questions over and over, you kind of get a feel for the kinds of topics. I do have like a, a redeem where people can submit topics that they would like me to discuss. And I do save all of the episodes as highlights. So if anybody wants to go back and rewatch it, or they can't make a particular week for whatever reason it's always available and manuscript monday was just the name that i came up with because i like alliteration and it was on a monday and it was to do with manuscripts and writing so that's why i picked it but yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun i'm i think i'm at episode like 56 or something so if it's one a week it's been going for over a year now i do skip some weeks if i'm unwell or something's happened but I try to do it every week and every week people keep turning up so which baffles me but I guess they find it entertaining or interesting or they get something out of it you're obviously um, producing good content have faith in yourself <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you I do need to do what I need to do really is because they're all saved as highlights on twitch so I need to get them all downloaded and edited properly and then put them up on youtube but then I feel like well other authors also do that so I don't want to like add or, but, you know, I also say, you know, this is just one person's opinion. You might do it differently. I'm not saying that this is the gospel. I'm not saying this is what you must do. I'm just saying this is what I've done and why and my mistakes and what I would do differently. You know, it's just one person's opinion. But yeah, people se seem to enjoy it. So it's definitely coming back in August because it's been just a crazy couple of months recently. No, that's fair enough. The content you release on Patreon then. So our <laughs> listeners are hopefully more more familiar with Patreon because we have Patreon. So hopefully they're sick of hearing us talk about Patreon and know exactly what <laughs> it is. But you release content quite regularly on there as well. What kind of content do you release on there and what's the reason for that? Yeah, so I kind of, I'm still testing the water with that in terms of how much time it takes me to do content for there that takes away from obviously everything else and what people want and what they get out of it so patreon is kind of like for super fans so to speak so most people that are interested in me can subscribe to my newsletter you get like three free novellas and you get an email every month and you're basically one of the first to know about you know 
book cover reveals, book releases, sales, that sort of thing. And Patreon is kind of like just a step beyond that. So everyone at every tier will get access to a weekly chat. So every week, every Friday, I say what's been going on in the week in terms of my writing and work what I've been reading because obviously a lot of people enjoy reading and want to know my opinion on that games because I am a bit of a gamer and you know maybe like general stuff I've watched on like if I happen to have seen something on tv or or a film or something like that so they get a weekly chat there's also an exclusive fantasy story that I write it's kind of like a, a serial where every month they get a new chapter and if you subscribe at higher tiers then you get those chapters in advance so you could be up to two months ahead of everybody else which is really cool and that story isn't available anywhere else not to my newsletter subscribers not on social media not my website nowhere it's a patreon exclusive also an exclusive on patreon are my read by the author videos so although there are audiobooks for my main novels my uh, novellas are not narrated because it's this kind of no point because they're so short but i do read them so it's like a nice read by the author I don't really edit it so everybody gets to see when I have a sip of tea or when Boris walks in or if I forget how to say a word that's there and also other video updates so I'm working on a series now where I talk about an aspect of my writing kind of like Manuscript Monday obviously but without the live chat version but maybe I'll, I'll talk into like me personally rather than writing in general so when I do Manuscript Monday I'm like this is what you might want to consider when you're doing world building. The new series I'm working on for Patreon, which is a video series, would be more like, this is what I have done with my world building and this is why, or these are things that drive my characters and why they make these decisions and and like a kind of a real deep dive into aspects of what I've done and my thought process behind that, as well as like general updates. But also Patreon, so patrons get access to all of the exclusives well before anybody else, before the newsletter subscribers do, and also get access to like extended versions of things that I share so I might share a sneak peek with my newsletter subscribers of like maybe the first chapter of a new book I'm writing whereas on Patreon maybe you get the first three chapters or a good example is the Iron Crown is being produced as an audiobook right now so my newsletter subscribers might get like uh, a five minute snippet my patrons will get a 15 minute snippet or longer excerpts of work in progress things like that so if you want all of the behind the scenes stuff, all of the early access stuff, the first to know everything, patron is where you go. And then at higher tiers, people can get free ebooks, signed paperbacks, books as soon as I release them, audiobook codes, all of that fun stuff. So everything that you can think of that you would like to get extra from an author is what you would get on Patreon. And I'm kind of slowly building that up in terms of certain days of the week will be, you know, like video updates, weekly chats, work in progress snippets, that sort of thing. But it's, it's yeah, I'm still kind of muddling my way through and figuring out what to add and, and change and take away. But I'm going to hopefully start to do a really big push for Patreon towards the end of the year once I've got a lot of content ready. So as soon as somebody signs up, they can get access to all of that. I like the idea of the behind the scenes stuff. I think that's really valuable because yes, you have, there are really great craft books out there and you can buy a craft book on any kind of thing to do with writing, Mm -hmm. but not everyone necessarily learns that way, even if you're told to do it step by step. Whereas seeing someone's actual process for doing that Mm-hmm. is a completely different way of learning it but a really valuable way of learning it so that's really helpful content I think that you're putting out yeah. there definitely I hope so I was considering doing some live write-ins so you literally can see what I'm writing and I'll say what I'm thinking you know this is why I'm, I'm saying this and this is what I want the reader to think and to give like more of an insight and show the difference also between like drafting and like the finished polished version and what gets changed and why and how and kind of that process obviously that's a bit more of a long-term thing but yeah 
That'd be really insightful, actually. I like that. You mentioned audiobooks a couple of times, which I love. I I like listening to audiobooks, especially when I'm like doing something like cleaning or at the allotment or something. I think they're great, but I've only read your books in paperback. (laughs) I believe they're quite low down on your income list. Why is it you bother to make the audiobooks if they're obviously very expensive to produce and not bringing in that much money? Well, not everything is to do with money, uh, which is probably why I'll never be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> That's uh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I feel like you have to have a certain mindset if you want to be a millionaire and it's all like bottom line and numbers and things like that, which is which is fine. I mean, like for me, mo- I would say 80 to even 90% of my reading is audiobook. Like you say, when you're Gardening, cooking, driving, dusting, hoovering is great time to listen to an audiobook. Sometimes I just want to switch off and do like a jigsaw puzzle and listen to an audiobook for like 20 minutes. Uh, and that's great. And it's, it's an accessibility thing. Not everybody can read ebooks, physical books. You've got people who have dyslexia, you have people who are visually impaired, you have people who just prefer audiobooks. So it's always something that I wanted to provide for all of my books. Like that's just. That was my stance. They're not necessarily super expensive. So all of my Linaria books, I have a royalty split uh, share, financial process, whatever the word is. I, I know words, apparently I'm an author. So there's no upfront cost. And basically it's exclusively available through Audible, which is Amazon's audiobook platform. I don't pay my narrator anything upfront. However, we split all of the royalties from all of the sales we get 20% each and Amazon gets 60% because it's Amazon. And then you can get your book available for not a huge amount of money. There's a couple of pros and cons to that. Obviously the cons being my narrator doesn't get paid up front. However, they are then much more inclined to market for you because obviously the more you sell, the more money they get. You have a smaller access to a smaller pool of narrators because most narrators will want some money up front, understandably. So you tend to find like up and coming narrators or people that are just getting into it. Some people have had issues with quality. I've not really found that to be the case. I mean, Georgie Leonard does the narration for my Linaria books. I wouldn't have anybody else narrate it. She knows the character. She she is the characters. She's wonderful to work with. She's a professional and she's she's brilliant. So I don't know if I lucked out or if that's the norm and other people have been unlucky. I am paying upfront for the audiobook narration of uh, The Iron Crown, but also I'm a bit further ahead in my career now. And like kind of cash flow wise, it's I'm able to manage that. And obviously, because I will own the rights to my audiobook because I've paid for it in full, I can now then sell it anywhere. I don't have to be exclusive to Amazon. Now you can do a royalty share and not be exclusive to Amazon, but it's a bit trickier to manage. So most people will just do it through Amazon and ACX is their platform, like KDP is for their ebooks but you're exclusive to amazon for i think it's seven years whereas with the iron crown i will own the files and i can upload them sort of wide it's called so they will be available to purchase everywhere ebooks are are sold really as well as in libraries so it's more accessible for everybody who wants to listen to it a bit more upfront for me but then obviously i get to keep all of the royalties and when you do pay upfront you have access to a greater pool of narrators who may or may not be better may or may not have more experience so yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be super expensive but i just wanted audiobooks from an accessibility standpoint if nothing else And if I only ever break even on them, I'm happy with that. And if I don't ever break even on them, then that's life. At least people who want to experience the book have the chance to do that in their preferred format. No, that's really good. I was assuming you were going to say the accessibility thing. And Mm. I love that. I like, I think it's 
it's worthwhile and it's important to bear that in mind. I know not everyone can necessarily do the audiobook thing, but I had never heard about that Audible thing. Obviously, like you say, there's downsides to being exclusive with Amazon for that. But the no upfront cost thing is quite interesting. I'd never heard about that before. Yeah, absolutely. So the Amazon offers you like three formats. You can do a full royalty split. You can do a royalty share plus where you give your narrator an amount upfront to help on their end but then you still split the rest so you don't give them huge amounts or there's just a full paid per finished hour which which obviously can add up one thing that i don't know if you you know about this but the whole like ai being a narrator thing from google is starting to kind of take form now and a lot of authors are trying to use ai to create their audiobooks which is obviously much cheaper than paying an actual person. But that's something that although, you know, maybe the technology will come to a point where I can't tell the difference between AI and an actual person, but from an ethical point of view, I don't want to cut out people who make a living narrating audiobooks. They, like like I said earlier, m- the majority of my reading is audio and I find a good narrator brings so much to a story that I, I you know, I frequently cry when I'm listening to audiobooks and, you know, when there's sad things happening or happy things happening, you know, because just that, that human connection is so meaningful for me. And I, I, I very rarely cry when I'm reading a physical book. So going forward, some authors might have the opportunity to have an AI narrate their audiobook for even less money. And you might see more of that in the next sort of three to five years, I imagine, because the technology is there already and it's just refining and you know how quickly tech moves these days. But yeah, just like my stance is I'll, I'll never not use a person, even if it's more expensive, because I don't want to cut somebody else out just because I want a slightly better bottom line. I think I mean that's just me yeah again I'm I'm not going to be a millionaire (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine the AI would get quite good at it eventually but I don't I can't see AI ever really being able to breathe that true life into the reading no Uh, maybe I'm underestimating it but like you say you genuinely feel something like we're creatures of storytelling you know we've we've told stories for centuries upon centuries Mm -hmm. it's it's built into us to have a machine do that just feels a bit wrong. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I use an AI to, when I'm proofreading and I, it reads it out to me, like, you know, Word reads it out to you. There's some websites yes. where I have like nicer voices. And I listen to that and that's mostly okay, but I don't think I want to listen to an entire audiobook like it. It's, I don't know, it's just the, the inflection and the emotion that you can put in voice and emphasis and I don't know, I think that's just a, you need a human touch when you're telling a story. Like you say, this is, it's, you know, it's built into our DNA. It's, you know, probably why we are where we are as a species, because we can tell stories. It's weird, but I think it's going to be a grey area. Yeah, I'm a little way off having to worry about audiobooks yet because I still haven't published my first book. But I think I'm going to be on the same side you are. I think I'd rather have a human do it, definitely. Yeah. In which case then, obviously, we've talked about all these different things you're doing to bring in money or your book-related streams of income. How much time, sort of, not necessarily specific hours, but how much of your time do you spend per week or per month actually writing versus managing all the streams of income? It kind of depends where I am in my writing cycle, so to speak. So I I try and chunk out time to do certain tasks, even kind of long term. So like for the next, for example, August, September, October, those three months, I'm going to be writing the sequel to The Iron Crown. So I'm going to be in drafting mode. I know. I'm waiting very patiently for the sequel. Sorry. You should have been out in March. I know. No, no, don't be sorry. I know that I know why it's not out yet, but I just wanted to know I'm excited about the sequel time. I'm glad. I'm glad. So yeah, for the next three months, I'm I'm mostly going to be writing. So I'd probably say like 80% of my day is going to be on 
the actual writing and the rest of the time will be whatever I can I can spare the time for in terms of you know newsletter swaps and marketing and stuff like that I'm not currently drafting now because I'm going to be drafting next month so I I probably spend closer to 10% of my time writing right now. And you might be like, well, you're not drafting, so what are you writing? So it's like the Patreon stuff, for example. So I try to write some of that to have chapters sort of ready to go, so I have a buffer. Plotting and outlining, I normally... I normally have a writing project on the go, even if it's not like my main writing project, i.e. the next main book in whichever series. So I'm working with some authors on an anthology at the moment. So we're doing, it's like dark fantasy horror-ish, very out of my comfort zone, but I was invited. So I thought I'll push myself out of my comfort zone and give it a go. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm outlining that and drafting that, but you know, like when I'm doing my main project, my main writing, so the sequel to The Iron Crown is literally going to be sit down at my computer, catch up on emails, do my Facebook, Instagram scrolling to get it out of my system. And then it's like writing from like eight until midday, one o'clock. And then after that, hopefully I've hit my deadline, my target, sorry. After that will be the rest of the admin stuff. So it, it kind of depends. I, I'm always going to be writing, but how much of it will depend where I am in the cycle and what I have coming up. So if I'm not writing, there's things like arranging newsletter swaps and group promotions. I have a monthly newsletter. It goes out the last Friday of the month. So I need to get all of the promos that go in there ready. So that's, you know, sometimes three days of figuring out what I'm going to put in there sometimes. I have like... Patreon content to do. I have Twitch streaming to try and do research on other authors, what's selling at the moment, being aware of, I don't want to say competition, peers, my peers. And, and oh, what, yeah, the trends in the different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in a way that is not very, like, I want it to come across as friendly. I'm, I'm not like, you know, I'm not super big on data. I hate data. I'm terrible. I can do words, not numbers. I do have like a weekly call with other authors where we do like writing sprints or we just outline together and kind of like talk about ideas and things like that we talk about what's coming up so the conferences I have conventions I have planning those out you know booking hotels and travel and tickets and ordering stock I might be having a conversation with my audiobook narrators or Holly who does all of my artwork and imagery so she does all of my banners my stickers all of the nice if you've ever been on any of my social media and you're like oh that's a nice looking image it's, it's a Holly image it's dragons so, everywhere <laughs> yeah exactly. like my pinned posts on social media like if I you know have business cards that I'm updating she does those so there's kind of like all these little things that kind of go into on the side that I do the majority of now because I'm not writing but in the next three months I'll be doing that a lot less I'll probably only be spending maybe an hour a day on that two at most because most of the working time will be spent drafting or editing or talking to beta readers or talking to reviewers and whatever it might be so it's there's always a constant it's not just like right sit down write the book now what it's you have to be thinking right well if I have a launch here what do what things do I want do I want a book tour running do I want to stack some promos do I want to do a sale and then kind of working backwards but there's like multiple projects to be working backwards from so I I would like a PA (laughs) that would that would help that would help a lot and then I could write all of the time that sounds like a dream yeah good plan (laughs) yeah Um, I need to earn more money first (laughs) Out of interest, the story that you're posting on Patreon, mm-hmm. obviously that's just for the patrons. Are you writing that and then editing it to a publishing level or are you releasing that at perhaps not quite published standard but still mm-hmm. good enough for the patrons to enjoy? It's first draft 
its first draft. I might, I might, what well, I say, I might write it and then give it a reread. And if I catch any typos, I might correct them. But it's basically like word vomit, pants writing. I'm not plotting this. I'm not outlining it. So it's kind of fun. And it's just like, here you go. This is what's going on. This is for you. So no, it does not go through editing. It does not go through beta readers or anything like that. It's literally first draft. There you go. Once it's finished, I mean, that being said, once it's finished, I might, if it has legs, go through the editing process and publish it as an ebook. And then the patrons have had first access, essentially. But that that remains to be seen. You know, I, I haven't finished it yet. I don't know when I'll finish it because I'm not plotting it or if it's going to be good enough to work as a book because it's a monthly serial, essentially. So it's the approach to that is quite different to the approach of a, a novel where it's much more structured. This is, oh, I've sat down. Well, this is a nice idea. Let me finish, you know, chase this idea for a while and, and see where we go with it. So, yeah, no. It, and that's kind of the point, because I think if I had to go through the whole process, it would just take too long. And, you know, if I am writing up until like the upload date anyway, because I procrastinated it, then I don't think that patrons would see a single chapter. So, yeah, that's that's the main reason for it. It's not to say it's bad quality. I think it's just, you know, a bit rough around the edges because... I think at this point, my first drafts are quite readable. It's just maybe a little bit chaotic rather than it's been nicely combed through and it's nice and neat. Oh, yeah. I certainly don't think it's a bad thing that you do that. Mm. I was sort of, I was hoping you said that because, A, that's obviously easier for you. It's still good quality content for patron. But also, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that ends up being kind of like a, a rest for you almost. You're just sort of playing around with the words and enjoying writing it instead of like the pressure of writing the books for publishing and for money. Yes. I mean, that was kind of the point because, you know, then patrons got something extra and I could write more stress-free the downside to, and this is why I am a plotter, is because it's all very well chasing a shiny idea and writing by the seat of your pants. But eventually I run out of steam and then I'm like, okay, cool. Now what do I do? And then it's really bad because it's a case of, well, I need to get a chapter up this month and I have no idea what to write because the shiny idea is now complete or it's wandered off. So it, it's less stressful in terms of it must be of this quality and make sense and be structured and foreshadowing and all of that um but it is kind of stressful because I've just sat down and just word vomited an idea which might be a cool idea but now I've got to kind of execute it in a way that sort of makes sense and if I run out of steam then I'm just going to be staring at a blank screen for several hours which which has happened with this story already which is possibly why I have not uploaded anything for a while I'm sure it'll come back to you fingers crossed it's not normally advised to manage multiple streams of income in this way. Obviously, mm. they're all book related in your case. So they're all kind of along the same ilk. What made you decide to sort of go against the grain then and to, to try your hand at all these different streams of income? Well, I think most indie authors will have the KDP and the Audible anyway as like a standard. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I, I'm a bit topsy-turvy with the whole paperback print run thing. And I quite like that because although it can be frustrating to not have all of my sales in one place, it's quite nice to know that, well, whatever happens on Amazon, I've got this event coming up. So it takes some of the pressure off in terms of money coming in. So I think when you kind of, when you start off with that mindset, you're going to inevitably think, well, what else can I do with the content that I already have? Even if that content is just my experience of publishing in this way, hence 
Manuscript Monday because I'm not like having to do anything for it. I'm just sitting down and talking about something that I have been doing already that people are getting something out of and then subscribing to me. So I earn money that way. So it's kind of diversifying, but without doing more work as such. It's like making the most of the existing IP that I have, be it my books or my knowledge or the things I've been through. Patron is a little bit different because, yes, I'm creating content, but you know, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is stuff I've already done. I'm doing it anyway. You're just now having access to it. So whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm drafting or I'm taking photos of setting up for a Comic-Con, which most people haven't done and don't know what goes into it and, you know, things like that. So it's, it's just kind of having an awareness of what people might enjoy or learn from or just find mildly entertaining and sharing that. And then if they would like to support me, then they have the option to do that either through Twitch or Patreon. And then people are kind of starting to do that, which is quite nice. So it's not really an extra thing to manage. It's not like it's a second business or something like that. It's more a case of making the most with of what I have, but trying to balance what I need to do, which is right, mostly. So I will continue to look at other sources of diversification, you know, maybe I'll do a Kickstarter for a, a special edition book, maybe I'll do a set up a coffee or, you know, there's, there's loads of options out there. There's always new platforms that people want to get onto, you know, like TikTok is a whole thing that people are earning insane amounts of money from. And it's basically the same stuff that they would have put on Instagram. I think you need to adapt and be flexible and be willing and open to change and okay well we've always done this but what what's new for this year and like I said earlier about all eggs in one basket at least if Amazon was to go down I'm not going to lose my income or if Amazon was to decide actually you've contravened one of our rules and we're not going to tell you which one but now you have a perma ban you're kind of screwed if you don't have some other options so that is also kind of part of why I want to have multiple streams of income (laughs) (laughs) no that makes sense I mean like you say because they're all sort of along the same lines anyway you're not having to put up too much it's not like you're doing hairdressing on the side or something is it exactly yeah and it would be very different you know like some people say to me oh would you read my book and give me your feedback kind of like something between a beta reader and an editor and you know they'll be like oh and I would pay you for that that would be a whole different stream of income but that would take up so much time and effort that it's not something that I would want to do plus if it's friends and maybe they don't really like your critique is I think it's just a bit of a headache when I look at other ways of earning money I try and look at things that are not too different to what I'm already doing and don't take up a huge amount of time so that's why I like the whole consultancy type thing is not something that I would look into because it would you'd end up doing it full time really and then you don't write books anymore and then it's you're running a different business. Yeah, I imagine that would be harder to manage. What do you do to try and keep the balance then between <laughs> all of that work and making time for yourself and taking care of your mental health? You know, do you, do you struggle to keep that balance? Yeah, big time, big time. So, I mean, I think a lot of us writers are usually more introverted. Um, many of us are neurodiverse Many of us are dealing with anxiety issues or ADHD or on the autistic spectrum, depression, all of that kind of thing, which is why we like to hide in our little worlds, because it's usually more fun there. And and a lot of us, I think, are, you know, if not overachievers, we're we're perfectionists. And so the struggle can be real and crippling sometimes because, I don't know, I feel like if you're an artist, 
you can, you know, throw your sketches out into the world and be like, yeah, oh my God, I love it. I can't wait to see the finished version. You can't really share a first draft because people be like, do you even know how to write? Do you know what punctuation is? And, you know, your isn't spelt like that. And, you know, all of that kind of thing. You, you, there's, this, there's this feeling that you can only share perfect, polished, finished you know, work and anything less than means that you're a rubbish writer and why are you even doing this? And we hold ourselves to those standards, even when we're writing our first drafts quite often, you know, people, lots of people never even write their first book because they're so concerned with making it the best it can possibly be. And a first draft just has to exist. You can't edit a blank page. So you just, just get it done and then look back and then improve. But it's very difficult. Even I know that, but I'm still sat there thinking this scene makes no sense or it's not clear enough or the emotions are not there, the stakes are not there. And then you kind of, you, 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 you bury yourself. And then in terms of like, like word, even like word count. So I, I'm quite a fast writer. I can do sort of 10,000 words in about four hours when I'm like at my peak, but then I can't do that every single day. I can't do that Monday to Friday because I'll burn out. And yet my brain is like, well, you managed it yesterday. So you're just being very lazy today, aren't you? And then I'm like, well, I'll catch up tomorrow. And then it's like, well, you, you're even further behind. So you're really lazy. And perhaps if you hadn't done that Twitch stream, you'd be doing it. And it's, it's just that kind of cyclical negative self-talk that I would never say to anybody else, but you, we're very self-critical. So like trying to balance what I do and myself talk, which is probably my parents' voices, to be honest, is tough. It's very, very tough. So I really I rely on my other half a lot. He's very good at telling me to just have a day. To just, it's okay if you just want to read a book all day. It's okay if you, it's sunny and you want to sit in the garden. It's okay to not work every single day. Um, and it's okay to write two thousand words a day. It's okay to write two hundred words a day. It's okay to write no words a day. And just kind of having that objective positive supportive voice that is outside of my own brain so it's not really affected by what I tell myself helps a lot and I just try to be aware of when I'm kind of spiraling I try I try like I said earlier I kind of chunk out my day in terms of okay from this time to this time this is the task and then from this time to this time it's the next task so I try when I do that I tend to work better because it's like, well, I've spent my time on this task, whether it's finished or not, that's fine. I'm moving on to the next one instead of sitting there thinking I have 10 million things to do and I can't do any of it. So trying to work with myself in a weird way helps. And also in that chunking out of time, I try to allow time for fun. So I'm like, from this time to this time, you're having your lunch break and you can watch YouTube for an hour and a half if you want. You can sit in the garden, you can play video games and do all of that guilt free. It's not easy. And I, st I still haven't figured out a way that's 100% foolproof. And when I hit, hit burnout, it's awful. You know, I'm screaming at myself, just, just read the words on the page. You don't even have to write new ones. Just read the ones you've already written. And I'm in like floods of tears and I can't sleep and it's awful. So I think writing is lonely because it's only you doing it. But it's also very collaborative. So if you have a partner a friend, a colleague, a peer, anyone who can just kind of balance you a bit, even if all you do is kind of whinge to them and then you feel better for it, or if they can give you advice, or if they can reassure you that you are doing a good job, even though it doesn't feel like it and you want to burn your laptop or yeet it into the sun because that happens. And being aware that it is cyclical, you will have oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, no, this is shit. And I'm the worst writer ever. And what am I even doing? Just know that it will, it's, it's just constant.
And even though when you're in that, oh my God, it's shit period, it does feel like nothing will ever work again. So it's just like being able to be objective and have the self-awareness. And when you can't, having someone separate to you that can remind you or just drag you out of it helps, helps a lot. And then just kind of generally knowing what, what you need to refill your creative tank. Because it is, it is in, in, in my case, it's, it is a tank. So going out in the sunshine helps. Being in nature, being outside helps. Tea helps. Chocolate helps. Playing video games helps. Having a bath helps. Spending time with the dog helps. And just thinking, you know, when you're in that state where nothing seems to be working, it's like, okay, well, when was the last time you did any self-care? When was the last time you gave yourself a break? Have you had a cry recently? Maybe that would help. Have you had a nap recently? Maybe that would help. Just treat yourself as like a toddler and or a plant. And that usually is enough to get you out of that sort of slump. And if you are in a slump, just accepting it. Just, okay, fine. I'm going to be here for the next week. That's fine. But I'll come out of it. I feel like I was rambling a lot there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, don't apologize because it's really good advice, actually. And even just sharing that you struggle sometimes is useful because people need to know it's not all perfect. You know, even Ooh. though you're clearly a very successful writer, it's not all sunshine and roses every day because that's not that's not life. It's no. hard to hard to make time for the rest and it's hard to keep going when it does all feel like shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that with us. That's all right. But when you see other writers and you see their all their hundreds of thousands of sales and great ranks and great reviews and you think, oh, God, I, I'm never going to be like them. But that's the finished product. You don't see the years that went into that. And, you know, it's very easy to compare yourself to someone who's very successful when you are struggling. And it's like you shouldn't do that. You know, look at their struggles, look at what they've been through and. You know, maybe they didn't have the same struggles as you as well. Why are you comparing? Like, I think there was a phrase like, don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 10 or something like that, you know? Yeah, don't compare your beginning to their middle is what we've said before. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, it's it's so true. It's so true. It is. I'm definitely guilty of that because after I finished my first draft, I just went into a spiral and hated the whole thing and didn't want to look at it ever again. But um, with help from outside, it's mainly Christina, my co-host. So I now feel a lot better she sort of pulled me out of it a bit and I've actually read through it and started working on it now so it's hard though when you get to that point where you just look around and you just think I I can't do any of that yeah with this pile of shit here this pile of shit is never gonna look like that (laughs) it will eventually (laughs) and you'll you'll have that with every single book as well not just your first one so just bear that in mind when you do write the next one because you feel like well I've done this once already so the next one is going to be easier and it's that's not necessarily the case really oh good oh good can't wait (laughs) (laughs) perhaps the most important question I'm going to ask you then today is which book changed your life okay I I don't know if you're going to like this answer because okay we don't have to like the answer it just has to be true (laughs) well okay all right fine fair enough yeah I want to be true I want to be honest so it's not a book. It's a video well, that's game. That's cheating. That's <laughs> cheating, Laura. It's, I said which book. <laughs> you know, I said you weren't going to like the answer. But people ask me this all the time. Oh, not this particular question, but, you know, most inspiring and made you want to write and, you know, variations of that. And it really isn't a book because I read as a child, but I didn't read a lot. And I never... I liked the idea of being a writer and writing my own books, but I never like had one book that was the thing that made me want that. The thing that made me want that, and kind of going back to what you said earlier about being storytellers, and it's kind of like, that's who we are as people, that's our nature to tell stories. The thing that made me want to do that was playing the Final Fantasy video game series. So 
for anyone who doesn't know, it inspired or contributed heavily to my love of dragons, to epic fantasy, to sweeping narratives, to world building, to side characters with their own backstories that crisscross and interchange with the plot and the main characters, to magic and awesome battles and weapons and all the fun stuff. That's what, you know, kind of like my mind was blown. And specifically Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX. And I was eight and 10 respectively when I played those games. So in that kind of impressionable sponge-like time of my life. And they they taught me what stories could be. And they made me want to write my own stories because of the things that I saw in those games, the places we visited, the towns, the characters, the magic systems, that made me want to create my own because I was like, wow, if it was my town, it would be like this bit of that game and that bit of this game and then my own twist and then I'm going to add dragons and then I'm going to do this and then it's going to... And that's that was what sparked the... I want to write fantasy. And Final Fantasy IX was, was the main inspiration for my debut, Maroda. If you've played Final Fantasy IX and then you read Maroda, you will see so many little similarities where I've not exactly copied, but I'm like, it's heavily inspired certain locations and world building and like just the, the plot in so many ways. I, I now am a lot more original, but that, that very first book, it was an idea that I had when I was 16 and it was deeply inspired by those two games and if it wasn't for those two games I would not be here today so that's what changed my life that's like the pivotal moment and I'm very sorry it wasn't a book but there are RPGs there's lots of reading in them so it's basically a book but just in a visual sort of way that's, that's an excellent answer I'd never even considered that sort of angle before but you're right I mean yes on the one hand it is plenty of story in there to be considered a book but those things do inspire us don't they and they do yeah. draw out those stories from us I think that's a really good answer thank you very much thank you I'm glad you liked it I'm yeah, yeah. No, that's nice. I mean I play a lot of games myself I haven't played Final Fantasy but I do play a lot of games myself how do you recommend nine let's start with nine okay <laughs> finally then where can our listeners go to find out more about you Okay, there are a few social medias. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and I do have a Facebook, but I'm not very active on it. But my website is probably Good Hub, which is just llmcrae.com. You can find links to all my social medias there, including Patreon, Twitch, and Goodreads. Quite active on Goodreads. I'm still a reader, very slow reader, but I'm there. And then, no, I think everything, yeah, you'll find everything on the on the website pretty much. Um, and Twitch, and Twitch. Yeah, including include that link yeah. as well. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, all but my DMs are usually open, emails usually open. I do reply as soon as I can. I can't reply to everybody, but I do. So any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch and I'll do what I can to reply as quickly as I can. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing those really useful insights, Lauren. I, uh, I appreciate it very much. No, you're very welcome. Thank you for the invitation and for having me and listening to me ramble and go on to comments. And yeah, I hope it was interesting, entertaining. And yeah, I hope to maybe come back again in the future. I'd like that. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, make sure you subscribe to The Writer's Mindset on YouTube or your favourite podcast platform. Or all of them, we don't mind. Everything from a like to a rating to a review to a subscribe to shouting about us on social media helps us to reach more writers so that they can overcome the mindset issues that are holding them back with their writing too. If you're on social media, come join us on Instagram at Writers Mindset Pod or join our Facebook group, which you can find by searching for the Writers Mindset.
And don't forget to come join us over on Patreon for our bonus series, Healthy Habits. See you next time. Keep writing. Keep writing.